Hey, Star Wars fans and Rule of the Galaxy fans. Uh, we're all here and we're doing the same thing we usually do, but it's coming in a little bit different. We're coming in hot tonight. Uh, it's Joe in the pilot seat. And uh, yeah, I never do the show off my phone, but you know, when computer problems happen, you go with what uh, what hand is dealt to you. So we're going to go live. It's Rule of the Galaxy chapter 215. You know where to track us down. If you haven't in 215 episodes, figured out where to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and all the others, then that's on a, that's a you problem. Um, but uh, hey, we've got pretty much the whole crew here and a special guest tonight. So I'm going to go around the room and let everybody introduce themselves. And we'll start with my dear cousin, Alfie. Alfie, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. I'm excited to be back on and talk some Star Wars. As am I, my friend, as am I. And we've got plenty of other topics to talk about, too, because there's a lot going on out there. So, uh, yeah, we're pumped about it. How's your how's your wrist doing? How's the uh, bowling the bowling oh, trophy kind of yeah, thing? Going? We're bowling trophy glove free now. So <laughs> okay. it's uh, it's doing good. Pretty much fully healed. Just a little scar. Surgery went well. Hey, uh, Alfie, you remember when we did the episode where you talked about how you like sprained something when you were going to the bathroom because yes, of the bowling? You, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was a muscle actually, in my back. I was actually listening to something on, uh, it was either ESPN or Fox News, or Fox Sports or something. And a professional athlete said he did the same thing when he hurt his wrist. So yeah. there you go, brother. Tell me, right you have to switch left handed. There's some things. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's the thing, like <laughs> I can weld left-handed, I can swing a hammer left-handed, I, you know, nuts and bolts, wrenches, nothing, no problem. But that mm -hmm. one act, I could hey. not do it. It was rough. It was a tough week. <laughs> All I know is you're, you're back amongst the, the regular and I'm, oh I'm happy God. for you on that. <laughs> hey, thank the, the thank you so much for bringing them back up. I'm glad right? this is you know, <laughs> The mental image you just created is amazing. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> D-Doc. The man who runs all this stuff behind the scenes. How you doing, my friend? I'm actually like leaning left and and like ghost wiping with my left hand <laughs> just to try to see what it would feel like. <laughs> I I, I don't think I would do too good of a job. I'd probably <laughs> add, <laughs> yeah. The hardest part is keeping your issues. hand straight. It wants to turn the whole time because it's just wrong. You're leaning the wrong way. It wants to turn. Okay. <laughs> all right. And then the next thing you know, you feel the muscle pull right in the right in the middle of your back. <laughs> All right, D Doc, everything good in your life besides the the uh, test that you're doing there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually really hyped. I finally got a Star Wars Black Series figure again. Look at that box I got, art. Um, I know, Brent. We got box art, dude. We've got oh, box man. art. Um, again, 
Luke's face looks like um, Team America World Police in the box art of this picture. <laughs> uh, but I love the picture on the side of it. Uh, I finally broke my rule. It's the first box art uh, Black Series figure I've ever gotten. So I actually okay. might open that. I might open it live on the show tonight. We'll see. We do, might do a live unboxing. Live unboxing, my friend. Well, hey, that one one of those gentlemen you heard laughing so hard was our good friend Brent Dykeman. Brent, long time no talk to. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. And if I can take a few minutes, I want to kind of talk. One, um, I'm looking at myself and my lighting is so gorgeous with my red face and my white beard that the white is just jumping off of my red face. Yeah, you kind of got a Santa Claus glow going there. Oh, my <laughs> God. I went and golfed all day today and didn't wear any sunscreen. That's the smart move of the day. But so I want to go into a little diatribe real quick. You know how I play that game, uh, Legion. And so just this last weekend, we had uh, we hosted a buddy of mine, puts it together. Matt Evans puts it together. We ran a 50 person tournament. I think we actually had 48 show up. So 48 people showed up on the south side of Indianapolis. We had people from six different states. Uh, somebody flew in all the way from Oklahoma to be part of our tournament. Um, and just from us knowing each other in the communities. But what I wanted to get at, it was on Father's Day, the Saturday of Father's Day weekend. Um, we had one of the kids, younger, new player, we put him on a stream. So I'm going to do some props. Uh, if you go to Twitch, uh, Indy Garrison and search Indy Garrison, you can see some stream games. We had uh, on the second day of a tournament, it was a two-day tournament. On the second day, we had a couple new players playing on the stream, one of which, what turns out I didn't know at the time, is somebody that's on the autism spectrum. Um, and his dad said that since he started playing Legion and getting involved in the Star Wars community, he is a completely different kid. And the awesome. fact that we had him on stream and the fact that he was willing to, like, after the game, they taught, they brought him back and had him do an interview. And he was open and honest and just having the interview and was willing to open up and talk about Star Wars and the game and everything that he's doing. His dad was, like, in tears and thankful for what we were doing because we were putting together that community and opening and welcoming and bringing that community to where he felt welcome enough to open up and completely change his behavior from when he started basically to a year or two ago. So uh, that's why I do it. That's, that's the cool things about just it's yes, it's just little plastic men and rolling dice, but there's other things that can come from that. So I wanted to share that at the top commander, Gabe, um, Jarrett, if you guys listen, I also ran into a group of people. Um, some Pittsburgh Steelers guys came in, um, unfortunately had to have some, pierogi and chipped chip uh chip beef mm. talk about the uh while they were there and had to shake my head because no one likes the Steelers. <laughs> You're so mean Brent but I'm really happy I'm really happy that's a great story and, I, and I'm glad and, and I think you hit on it right there before we get to our special guest tonight um part of this whole thing whether it's us talking on the podcast whether it's the games whether it's the conventions uh whether it's you know, uh, our guest and, and all the great things he does on YouTube and so forth. It is that community. And whether we like everything to do with this community or not, whether we think, oh, this is the greatest part of it or that's the greatest part of it, it's those little things like that, those little smiles, those little moments of 
sharing and being a part of it that are really, really great. So I'm glad, I'm really glad for you. And I'm, I'm glad that that went so well at your event this weekend. So yeah, thanks. Um, hey, this guy right here that we're going to introduce is one of the guys we all watch on YouTube. We all pay attention to his videos he puts out. He's actually a great follow on Twitter as well because he puts out some great comments and great insight. Um, it's our friend. It's your friend, the first Okairo. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. It's uh, good to be back here. I don't think I've, I don't think I've been on the podcast in a long, long time. Obi Kenobi, right? The Obi Wan with uh, the uh, Duchess was the last time that I can remember. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah that was a year yeah. ago. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and and I know oh, you're yeah. busy. You're you're going at 100 miles per hour, over, uh, you know, with work and everything like that. We're really proud of all the stuff you told us off off camera, off show, everything like that. So really pumped what's going on with you, but. How's everything else going in your life? First of all, I will say, I think you mentioned that uh, you, you you lost, I think it was a cat, correct? Your cat? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's it was sad. I'm cat. so sorry. Yeah. In 2020, there was this home invasion where this cat just invited herself in my place and didn't leave. So she adopted herself. Uh, so from like 2020, 2021, 2022, and this year, I was taking care of her. I actually took her to me with Europe for work. And, uh, yeah, no, she uh, passed away a couple days ago randomly. No idea how. Just her body deteriorated. Sad stuff, but I don't want to depress everyone on the podcast. Oh, no. I mean, hey, I, I've got three little dogs. And I tell you what, they are they are my best pals, right? Like, I hang out with them every day, and it's great. And they give that unconditional love. So I know it's it's never an easy thing uh, to, lo- to lose a pet. Um, so... Especially when you're in Europe and you probably needed that that cat to bond with you. So I we, I want to send out our condolences and you know what? Hopefully things will turn around. But uh, it's great to have you back after a year long uh, time away. I can't believe a year. You're making me have a <laughs> you're making me have an existential crisis because you're reminding me time is a thing and I don't like that. Well, you know, uh, we're a Star Wars show, but we also concentrate on other fandoms. And before we started, you mentioned that you have seen Spidey across the, well, across the Spideyverse uh, 10 times now. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 10 times in theaters and uh, a couple more on a other way of watching movies that I probably shouldn't <laughs> be advertising. Yeah, we all do it. All we all right, try yeah. to find it. Uh, you know, it's pretty good copy, too. I'm so yeah, collectively it's about thirty-two times. Oh, what? Yeah, I, you <laughs> you—that is a small obsession. Yeah, it, it's it's not the most I've seen a movie. The most I've ever seen a movie is seventy-nine times. Okay, seventy-nine times, and what time frame? Because Spider Verse is what, like two weeks, maybe three. Yes. So seventy-nine times, and what time frame? And I got to know what movie. <laughs> Uh, 79 times Treasure Planet over okay. the span of a lifetime. But you okay. got when I when, you got remember though I was born in a I, I was born in the I was born in the late 90s. We did not have streaming then. No, I understand. I get that. But so did you? Did, were these DVD viewings or did you go to the theater to see Treasure Planet that many times? Oh no, my family was broke as a joke. They would beat me if I dragged them to the theaters yeah. for seventy nine <laughs> times. No, it was it was it, it was it was DVD. I I wore that I wore that disc down. You thought it was Tron Legacy with how many how many discs were flowing? Nice. Wow, nice pull on okay. that. Too. 
Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't seen the new the new Spidey. I know uh, it's pretty good. Check it out, Alfie. Have you seen it, Brent? Have you seen it? No, we're waiting on it to be able to watch at home. Yeah. She loves the Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy. So, but she. Oh, she's going to have a kick out of this then. Yeah, she just can't make it through a movie at the theater. It's a long one, too. I mean, it's two hours and 15 minutes. It's like, yeah, trust me, she's going to get a very good dose of Gwen to start off the film. It's like. She wears the Gwen Stacy costume pretty much every day. And then she's just gotten a Miles Morales one, but that's a whole nother story. Wow. That's a, I was at a uh, family like event in uh, Maryland over the past weekend, and I was talking to my wife's uncle, and I was like, "Have you taken the kids to see Across the Spider Verse yet?" And he was like, "He's like, I haven't. I've seen the trailers for it, but he's like, isn't that like a cartoon?" I'm like, "Dude, it's one of the best movies I've seen in theaters like in a while, honestly. Like it give it gave me that feeling walking out of the theater, like you know, like it like a." You have that feeling of I just sat there and watched a damn good movie in the movie theater, ate popcorn, and just had a great experience. Like it was just one of those movies. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of the reasons why I've seen it so much, besides you know the obsessive part of it, is I'm actually working on a full breakdown of the film. So right now it's okay. 35 pages. I'm going by it scene by scene. I'm looking oh, wow. forward to that one. Yeah, oh, I, I got uh, a couple of videos coming. You're gonna enjoy the Mandalorian video. It's a full series breakdown. It's about three and a half hours long. Ooh, damn! I, yeah. I I do. I I can get sucked in when I start watching your videos. I can sit there and be like, okay, I'm 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 settled in for all. Get the popcorn. I'm gonna see what what Okairo has to say on this and that. So I I'm looking forward to that. What, without giving spoilers, uh, what what do you think draws you most? To this movie that you've seen 30 plus times in the past few weeks well i love the first film the first film i saw 50 plus times so it's a continuation of the story but i don't know i've always enjoyed the spider-verse movies just because if i've gotten any complaints about the mcu and dceu these days it's just that it just feels like they don't know how to deliver on a good story for the most part they don't know how to make these characters that are endearing like i like characters I like certain parts of movies, but there's been a long time where I've been able to say, okay, I need to watch that again. It's a long time where I've caught myself just smiling at certain scenes in a movie. Like the last time I watched a movie that made me feel this way, I would think it's into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Gotcha. Well, I definitely yeah. need to check it out. I mean, if you guys, if you get uh, D-Docs high on it, you're high on it. And I'm overdosing on it. I am overdosing <laughs> on it. I am in the red room, passed out of my own vomit, overdosing on this movie. <laughs> I love well, it. Well, I will. I will say this. So, um, I haven't checked that one out. But while we're off of the Star Wars topics, I will say this: I went and checked out The Flash on Sunday. Um, I I I loved Michael Keaton as a Batman. Right? You know, I me. Mean, I grew up in 1989 or whatever. I was a Senior in high school, loved seeing that. It was just the coolest thing to see that make a comeback. And um, what? Michael what? Keaton? It's in the Flash. Yeah. You didn't watch the trailer? <laughs> I was going to say, have you seen the trailer, Fred? No. Like, he was even in the teaser trailer. Man, you no. kind of scared me a little bit, Brent. 
Go ahead. He's in the advertising, all the TV yeah. commercials. So, that's what I was most pumped about. And actually, for the first half of the Flash movie, I was like, okay, this isn't bad. This is pretty good. The second half just... <clears throat> when your first movie about this character is jumping right into the DCU multiverse, like really hard and heavy and, and like going in 100 different miles per hour... Um, it, it just kind of threw me in the second half. I mean, I really enjoyed the first half of the movie. I really enjoyed the Michael Keaton part of the movie. The second half kind of, I don't know, just kind of died on me a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely now am more interested in wanting to see the Spidey movie because this one kind of let me down a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was my most recent experience on it. So have any of you seen The Flash yet? No, but the way you're describing it, that's kind of how I felt about most of the DC movies. I've liked I the first half the in the setup, and then the second half always, to me, feels kind of, I don't know, j just cut and paste, kind of generic. Okay. I've seen The Flash. <laughs> well, am I, am I way off on it, uh, Okairo, or... Uh no no, <laughs> I mean I'm not a I'm not a fan of the movie so you are okay. definitely not way off. I mean, I, without spoilers, I'll say the first half is the stronger half, and the second half is. It was like someone took all the cocaine in Hollywood, all at once, and just wrote down their experience on paper, and then gave it to an executive who took all the opium in Hollywood <laughs> and just said yes to everything, even if it didn't make sense. Okay. Dude, I, that's great. Great explanation. I will say that the the female Superman or Super... Sasha Cali. Yeah, I thought, thought that was a cool role. I thought she played that very well. I yes, just, that's my future wife. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I was a little unnerved thinking, am I going to like a the, uh, going in the direction of, uh, you know, in this multiverse, going to a female Superman character. But I, I think Michael Keaton played a strong role. I think she played a strong role. I really think, again, Flash in the first half, Ezra Miller or whatever, he, he did fine. But that second half of the movie, it was just kind of a sideways train wreck. So um, <laughs> opium and cocaine involved, I guess. So. <clears throat> but um, yeah, anyway, no, I appreciate it. I'm glad that I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Uh, anybody else have any recent shows or movies while we're off subject of Star Wars that you guys want to plug or talk about that really hits you? D-Doc, go ahead. Well, um, have have you guys... Uh, I, I recently today just watched O'Kairo's video on um, Indiana Jones. Did any of you guys uh, happen to check that out? Because... It was uh it definitely was an interesting take on like sequels overall and uh just like where we're going. Okara, was it that one where you put in um oh my god, I can't think of the uh old Superman actor. That's terrible. Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Yeah, Christopher Reeves when he was talking about like sequelitis or something in Hollywood. Yeah, no, uh it was that video. What Christopher Reeves was saying in the video is that what studios want to do is they want to take this formula the formula that made them mm -hmm. this money before and they want to replicate it but they want to replicate it in ways that don't pay off basically they want to sell you that this is going to be the greatest movie of all time kind of like flash did saying this is the greatest comic movie of all time and what they deliver just doesn't live up to the expectations they set because 
they don't put in the work to make it that great movie. They don't understand what made it that great movie because Hollywood isn't run, which is creepy because this is when Christopher Reeves was young. Just imagine what mm-hmm. it is now. This is when uh, the film industry now isn't run by filmmakers. It's run by agents, executives, publicists, all those people. And you can kind of see how that works in today's world, that films are now not being really pitched as, oh, well, we have a story to tell. There's more to the story. It's more of a, well, there's a franchise that needs resurgence. There's a new product. There's new content to sell. Even if, like, there are moments in it, like, it's great. It's great. Just, for example, Indiana Jones. I won't spoil it since it's not publicly out yet. Mostly just screenings. But uh, Indiana Jones, the first half starts really solid. There's something about it. The best way I can describe it is it's like deep fake Harrison Ford, deep fake young Indiana Jones. It looks like Indiana Jones. It sounds like Indiana Jones. But it's trying so hard to be like a replication of what isn't there anymore. That it's missing both the heart of the older movies and it's forgetting that this isn't the older movies. You need to progress. You need to do something new. So it's kind of like the worst of both worlds. You're chasing nostalgia and rejecting progression, and you're achieving neither of it. Hmm. And it's a shame. I, I mean, I'm like I'm a big Indiana Jones fan. I love Harrison Ford. I He's will go. Yeah, I will go see the movie. If you see it for anything else, see it for Harrison Ford. It is one of his best performances. I mean, but I mean, I think we've we've talked about this before. I mean, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. It, it didn't really get much better than that ending with him riding off on those horses after you told the story and he's really That was an epic and, ending. Yeah, I mean, so I see, you know, if it got a way to make more money, and they do, obviously, with with uh, the last one, what was that, Crystal Skull? Kingdom and, of Crystal Skull. Yep, and then in this one, okay, great, make the money, do what you want to do. And I think, you know, were they trying to get Shia LaBeouf to take over their next role? Maybe, are they trying to have this young lady take over the next role, maybe, but but it didn't end much better than that Last Crusade ending, in my opinion. That was a great way to end it, but I'll still go see it because I love the character and I love Harrison Ford. So, um, I don't, Is everybody else planning on seeing it? Yes? I don't really want to see it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I want to see it just because I love the character and to see you know, Harrison Ford go at it one last time, maybe, but I, I maybe the, la- That's the, the last craziest one, part is you said, maybe he's going to make an Indiana Jones yeah. movie when he's like 95 years old. I just, Sorry, Alfie. <laughs> it's okay. I, I liked the last one just for that reason of having Harrison Ford in it and being Indiana Jones, but the movie to me felt so shallow and I just, I didn't like the ending. I, I hated that they, had to try to make another one and to make an, a second last Indiana Jones. I, I I don't know. I don't want to be disappointed again. Okay. Brent, are you much of an Indiana Jones fan? I'll watch it when it comes on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Not even streaming TV. That's even longer. Well, I, that's, what I meant was, that's what I meant was streaming. Oh, I thought you meant like no. on T. I I thought you no. meant on cable television. Like yeah, TBS. I mean, that'll, that'll take another couple years. No, I mean, I, like right now, like I loved movies. So like in the height of the MCU, uh, a neighbor of mine, like it was our hobby. He was on third shift, but he had Tuesdays off. 
So we would go, and so he was, it was like middle of his day. We would go to the last showing on Tuesdays during the summer, like in the height of the MCU. So 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that range, went all the time. I love going to movies. My view of movies has been severely disrupted because of 2020, and I got out of a habit of going, and I haven't really been back. I went, my daughter wanted to go see The Little Mermaid. I went and watched The Little Mermaid with her. It was, I found it to be entertaining, and that's all I care about. Um, I was not a huge fan of the rap, and I think it may be just the <laughs> voice. Aquafina, yeah. Yeah, her, like, it's scratch. Like, I don't know. I, like, to be fair, nobody likes Aquafina. You do not have to worry about getting canceled on Twitter because someone <laughs> found out and said that. Aquafina is kind of on the kind of on the we do not want list in it's every the, community. And it's not necessarily the fact that it's a rap, right? So I don't want to be like that old white guy. It's like her, it's like, it's her, even though I look like the bright red Santa Claus right now. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, you don't know this, but see, I'm a black guy, and I would call you out if I thought you were being the old, if you were being the old, uh, the old white guy, but uh, just, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you the black perspective on this. No worries. Ain't, ain't no black guy, ain't no black girl, ain't no brother, ain't no sister want to hear Aquafina rap as a seagull. That and was on nobody's to Nobody walked into Lil Mermaid and says, you know what? If I don't give Aquafina rap as a seagull, this film, just, just chuck it away. It's the worst thing. No, no nobody wanted that. So, if I could take away Aquafina from the movie, I would give the movie a better rating, person. Just I actually have no problem. I have no problem. Like, the voice of her is what really is like, it's just, it's a very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I, I, I'm fine with it being the seagull in the rap it just didn't fit and it also took out the um song where sebastian is trying to get away from the chef um so they they intertwine they plus one yeah yeah bless you (laughs) wow so they they, i have two girls man i've seen the little mermaid (laughs) a thousand times i know all the words to that song so they, okay. they they changed that that that's not the song or I may be the song but they took it and they turned it into a rap to try to spruce it up. Now my daughter twelve said that I'm crazy that it wasn't as bad as I'm making it out to be. And I said <laughs> it was terrible. And everything else though I have no problem with. I loved it. Like I it was entertained. I was engrossed with it. So that was what I saw. And then I saw the Super Mario movie which was fun for me because um, the biggest Easter egg that I saw in the back was they had the picture of Glass Joe um, when they were in the diner. And, it, yeah, well, it was, like, the picture of, like, like it, yeah, it was Glass Joe and a couple of the other, like, Soda Popinski were up there as, like, wow. heroes on the wall of, like, the diner that they were in. And I was like, oh, my God, that was great. So some of those cameos. So those are the last two movies that I've seen. It's got to take something to pull me out of my couch to go see it um and right now i can wait for indiana jones to come on streaming i can wait for um a couple of them just came out like i saw quantum uh quantum manias out i watched that one on my couch i don't know like you know it's funny you kind of just ghost quoted christopher reeves and i used the clip christopher reeves in my last (laughs) video and he said in the very video if you're not making good enough movies there's no reason for people, word for word, to get off their couch and go to the theater. They'll just watch television. Especially you when it's quote, that expensive. You just quoted him, and it's been decades since he said that. 
But yeah, I mean, it, it, I couldn't believe it when I watched. I skipped back and replayed that again because I'm like, this is Christopher Reeves. He's young in this when he's saying this, and I'm like, he called this years and years ago. Like it, it was really interesting that clip. And it's just gotten easier to sit on your couch now. Yeah. The yeah. other thing, and I will also say this, and I've gone on record. D Doc and I believe are 100 in agreement on this. When you watch a movie on your couch for the first time, it becomes a CD movie. I rate if you rate it and grade it, it'll be a C to a D. It, it just doesn't have the same. If you watch that same movie first viewing in a theater, that CD is a B at worst, mm -hmm. just because of the environment, because you're watching it with others, because of the popcorn. Just seeing it and being in that throne room, <clears throat> being in that screen and seeing that screen up in front of you does something to make the movie so much better when you yeah. watch it first time somewhere else. It's the theater you watch it in the theater. Yeah. yeah. No, I was talking to uh, Culture Crave like a couple months ago, and we were going back and forth. And one thing I said is, this was about the Patty Jenkins. No, this was a while. This wasn't even a year ago. This was longer than that. Okay, time. Off that. <laughs> so I was, talking, I was talking to Culture Crave, and the thing I said is, if you need a theater experience for people to enjoy your movie, you did not make a good movie. Now, that does not mean, like, you can't. The theater experience isn't something you should. I prefer the theater experience because bigger screen, better sound. It's just a whole different level. But a good movie will be a good movie whether you're watching it on a theater, on your couch, or on your phone. Now, the quality is different. It always varies. But the quality of story will be the same. And if you need the theater experience to sell your film, well, you're yeah. not really, you don't have a good story. You just have a theme park, which is why I've got long since believed uh, Papa, uh, Papa, Uncle Martin Scorsese, because he was right. If you're selling a theme park and, well, it's not really going to have longevity, you'll have a moment, an experience, and that experience will not be able to be replicated. So you have to keep chasing the high, the high, the high. Well, we, yeah. <clears throat> we are talking about movies and movies experiences, and I think we would all like to see, <clears throat> with the recent announcements coming out and now the date shift, the next three Star Wars movies originally were, what, 25? Four. 25, 27, and uh, 29. But now, now they are 26, 26, 27? Yeah, uh... That's not a good thing, by the way. Uh, if you want me, if you want me to say why that's not a good thing, I'll say it. But that's a very bad thing, actually. I, I want you to start, and then I want to go around the room. So give me your thoughts on why that's a bad thing. Well, number one is we are in a writer's strike. So no matter mm -hmm. what all these scoopers, these leakers are saying, Dave Filoni, James Mangold, and uh, Stephen Knight. None of them are legally able to work on their scripts. So production has halted on all these movies indefinitely until the strike is over. So that's Correct. one reason why these films are bad. Number two is Disney, Disney and especially Lucasfilm really haven't been bringing in the money. Especially Lucasfilm. They haven't been bringing in the money to install confidence in Disney. So even though Kathy has done these announcements, as we do know from a lot of other Star Wars announcements, I kind of get left in limbo. An announcement isn't a definitive release date. 
the fact that Kathy gave, well, the fact that these are Disney dates too, the fact that we have these dates that are specifically different from the dates that Kathy gave tells me that, and they're all untitled Star Wars films. Yeah. It, I think the only Star Wars film we're actually going to end up seeing is going from Kathy's announcements will be the Dave Filoni film. I don't think we're going to see Charmaine's film because as much as I like Charmaine as a person, she's an inexperienced filmmaker who has never made a feature blockbuster in her entire career. And James Mangold, his film is very much dependent on the Dial of Destiny hitting at least close to $950 million to break even. And Dude, it's not it, going to do that. I feel so <laughs> bad for him. No, it's not. And even beyond, besides that, he still has to work on his Bob Dylan biopic movie. Yep. And he has to work on his Swamp Thing, Swamp Man. I don't, they're, 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 I don't care. They're the same character. I don't care Marvel, DC, whatever. His DC Swamp movie, he's got to work on that first, too, as a priority. So before he can even touch a Star Wars script, his film needs to earn $950 million to break even. And he has to do two other movies. He's his. We're not going to see James Mangold or probably Charmaine's film anytime soon. I don't think we'll see Charmaine in general. I think it'll be like a Damon Lindelof situation where she will likely be replaced by another director. And I don't think any of the three movies we have coming are actually the ones that were announced. I think these are different movies that likely will have different directors on it, except for Dave. I think Dave will actually be the like the main movie that will come out on Disney Plus or something. Well, and, and, you know, Star Wars' 50th anniversary is 2027, right? I mean, they, they have to, they have to ramp something up. I mean, can they just repackage all the old and release everything for a few weeks and just play them all at theaters? But they've got to have something. They've got to have a banger for 50th anniversary. And it actually made a good amount of money. It was like number four in the movie sales or something like that. A 40-year-old movie was like number four or five in movie sales for the two weeks. I saw, some, uh, I saw some repackaging done today. They have Disney 100 celebrating 100 years of Disney, and they're you know doing these special edition um, original trilogy. Um, they're, uh, what, what are they called? It's a uh, steelbook. Um, Really? Funny thing is, is they were almost sold out too. Like that's the thing is, like people are into those steel books, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're doing another re-release of the original trilogy. I mean, that's what I was hoping, and that's why I went to see Return of the Jedi in theaters was because I wanted to tell like Star Wars and Disney, like you know, obviously I'm paying for only three tickets. I took my kids to see it because I wanted them to see that scroll and have that you know original trilogy Star Wars experience in the theater. But I wanted it to make money so Disney can see like people, people like <clears throat> love this stuff about the original trilogy and just take some inspiration from that. You know, I don't know. I don't Quality know. does not age. I yeah. will say this to the day they put me in like the it. box and shove me into the ocean. I'm not going to make a billionaire joke. <laughs> So, like, uh, oh man! Wow. Too soon? I just went right over too my soon. head until you brought it back into the like. I wasn't even going to acknowledge it. <laughs> anyway, quality does not age. If you've noticed that, the best movies, the best stories, it doesn't matter how many decades it's been, and this is something Hollywood forgets because Hollywood really likes pushing oh this new product until the next new product until yeah. the next new product. They like to undermine the past because well, they don't want to 
acknowledge that quality does not age. When you make a good, when you make a good story, people will pass it on. Just like you said, you wanted your daughters to experience this. That's why mm-hmm. I even watched Star Wars. My dad did the same thing to me, and I did the same thing to my little siblings and my cousins. Mm-hmm. Quality. When something resonates with you, when you actually have a quality story, it will be passed down. That's why we still watch things like uh, Casablanca, Jurassic Park. We watch these quality stories, and we will continue to pass them down. Unlike stories that are not made with quality, that we like, yeah, you know, the, the, you know that came. Let's hope this new thing is better. I, I don't need to show you this other bad thing that came out. Let's pray for the new product. That's the difference between like content and stories. You're always waiting for the next content, but like a good story will always have rewatchability. It will always be passed down. There will always be someone saying, hey, watch this. You should watch this. It's a good thing. I mean, we do that now. Like, yes, movies, you're right. But we do that now because what is the what is the quote, the show hole, right? There's like that running joke that everybody's watching television. But how did we find out about Ted Lasso? Word of mouth passing it down i mean ted lasso was probably the biggest one that we talk about and i think at least i know three of us Mm -hmm. talked about it for a good half hour 45 minutes but i heard about it from somebody else who said you got to watch this i'm sure ddoc you heard it from somebody else who said you got to watch this again and it was a great story and then you get into those those ruts and you wait for somebody else to say hey i liked this go watch that yep I mean, we're doing it all. We're doing it right. So I completely support what you're saying, and it, it it shows with everything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I as we're talking about this now, it's like I just think about you know, really like since I've been on the podcast and we do these Star Wars show reviews, you know, and we'll, we will be hyped up about it. But then it's kind of like, okay, the next one's coming out soon, and it's like you know. I don't know. Do they have, do, does all of it have that rewatchability? I, I haven't gone back and rewatched Kenobi. I haven't watched, I haven't re I've maybe rewatched the final episode two times, but I just haven't had that urge to go back and do it uh, for, for a decent amount of these shows. But for some reason, those original, you know, the original trilogy and obviously prequels and stuff like that. It's like, I show it to my kids now and it still has that same effect that it had on me. So like, like Okaira saying, it's like, you know, a good product won't age. That's why I still watch the twilight zone and that's old as shit. Like, uh, you know, I love the twilight zone and it's like, my wife will be like, why are you watching like black and white TV? Like, and I'm like, this is really good acting and really good stories. Like it's, yeah. it's interesting. So good acting. Alfie, you've done some rewatching, right? I, I rewatch everything all the time. Yes, I just recently rewatched all three seasons of Mando, Book of Boba Fett, and Kenobi. I, I'm sorry, Brent. I still can't make it through Andor. I tried again. <laughs> just, <laughs> I like I like Andor, but I will say its pacing is not for everybody. Yeah. No, it's it's not for me. And I, I say it all the time. Andor is the best Star Wars in 99 out of 100 categories with the one that it's not being entertaining. Fair. Interesting. I, I don't disagree, but when you have that TIE fighter buzz them on the ground. It's, oh. Yeah. but And see, this is where I have a problem with the word of mouth with the, sh- the, the show hole or whatever, mm-hmm. because Andor is a perfect example. Oh, well you gotta, you gotta, mm-hmm. you know, push through all these episodes to get to that one <laughs> TIE fighter scene. I, I can't stand shows like that. Well, so- I'm, and I, that's 
more of a say on me than the actual show. I mean, I felt that way about Game of Thrones, though, because you had to, I got to season three before I got sucked into season. Like, I had to get to the Red Wedding and Game of Thrones before I was like, oh, I got to watch this. The rest of them, like, I was watching one episode three and four times because I would fall asleep because it was so quiet. Yeah. And so, like. And, that, and you know, and that's just. You're Art. telling me you weren't sucked in when a brother and sister were banging each other in the top of a tower and threw a child out the window on the first I don't think episode, I Brent? I don't okay, think I so want the word suck and in to be in the same sentence with a brother and sister banging. I think <laughs> I, I, I think that's too much even for me. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. The first time that I saw Tyrion Lannister walk out of the brothel, it was in the first episode. I was like, dude, this is too much for me. And I'm a pretty depraved human being. And I said, this is too much for me. And I walked away and I didn't come back for like another six months. Like I just, there was just something about it. And I think it was also the time period. It was like, it doesn't really, it didn't resonate with me until I got to that red wedding. And I think it goes to what Okaira is saying. It's got to resonate with you too. You have to have something to latch onto. So it's not just that it's a good story, but the good story has to apply to you. Or it has to, you have to see yourself in that story for it to attach to you and for you to pass it on. Well, the biggest biggest thing I think people miss out when it comes to this kind of stuff is that, well, quality, there are two conversations to be had, quality and preference. And sometimes it can be the greatest or the worst thing in the world and it just doesn't mean anything to you. There are some, like, I'm not going to be watching, I think, any recent Star Wars stuff for a while because just none of it's speaking to me. Maybe it'll be the best thing in the world, but it's just it's not doing it for me. Preference it, is a preference. <clears throat> Does it say anything about my maturity level that I kind of enjoy going back and doing rewatches of Clone Wars and Rebels? Because no. that's, I mean, yes, there are some clunkers in Clone Wars, but if you weed through and you just take all the the best of the best, man. When you get those stories going, that's rock and roll to me, right there. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can rewatch that over and over again. It, it really builds from one all the way through to the end. It starts off kiddish and becomes serious and real by the end, and and it just sticks with me. It resonates because and, uh, I think you see yourself in it. There's something in there where you see yourself in it. And I would say that I'm you probably attached to Obi Wan as well as Ahsoka, but I feel like there are two things that you find yourself attached to, and it draws you in. I will tell you that I never saw myself in the Clone Wars. Sure, that is part of the reason why it never resonated with me. It hasn't. I don't see anything. I don't. I don't feel the same way that you do about the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's that's a good point, and and you know. I guess I don't know if we ever really talked about that, but I mean, whether it's your your race, your gender, your age, or where you're from, um, where you're at in your life too. Yeah, I mean, all those things play a key factor in what speaks to you. So So, I was going to say, there's a movie that I watched. It was at a a turning point in my life. I was getting ready to leave Arizona, and I didn't really want to leave Arizona to come to Indianapolis and move to Indiana. There was a movie that I watched because I was working at the time at Hollywood Video and I got free movies. It is a dumb movie called Mind the Gap. No one in this, if anybody has ever heard of this movie, I would be surprised. I've Mm -hmm. heard of it. So the movie's called Mind the Gap. Essentially what it was was this little podunk girl 
would listen to like the tube t- tunnel in London and they'd always tell you to mind the gap. But what it was was six to seven different vignette stories about people in transition points in their life. When I watched that, I was in the middle of a transition point in my life. And sure. that thing hit home so hard that I'm even kind of tearing up as I'm talking about it. I went and rewatched it again. And I was like, this is the dumbest movie ever. And it didn't hold up. But at the time, that meant so much to me. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get real here, Brent. Ready? Go for a it. A lot of people. A lot of people would say you are one of the most, I don't know, not closed off, tough. You're, I think you're one of the more tough, less emotional people in the show, our oh. show here. But they yet, don't know me. Yeah, let's say, but I'm just saying from listening to us. Sure. Right? But, but I would say there are some of the times you bring out some of the most emotional and deepest points. And, and I... I applaud you for that. I, I I think people, you know, I see you in different ways. We've had plenty of good discussions. But on the show, usually, you, like you said, you're kind of curmudgeon, whatever. But but you do you, you do dig in there pretty deep. And, and I and I like that. I like that you just brought that out because it it does. It speaks to you and, and I'm glad that it did. So that's pretty cool. But so then so I think I think the reason why we're sitting here um, for 217 episodes having okairo on i think this is the third time talking about (laughs) this franchise is because when we watched it it had that impact and it was good enough that every time we watch it it still brings us back to when we were watching it the first time whether we watch it on a big screen a phone on your computer like to speak to what Okaira has been saying, like there is something about this franchise that has held us and has molded a lot of our philosophies. If you want to break everything down to the core and we see ourselves at different points in different people. It's true. It's true. I'm going to shamelessly plug another YouTube video of Okairo's watch uh, star Wars, the lost franchise. He, uh, I feel like it ends on a very positive note. I, I watched that one today as well. Um, and it's funny because as we're talking about this, it's making me realize that's why the Spider-Verse movie is so good is because it has things that can connect to my kids, but also at the same time in those movies, you also have Miles Morales's parents trying to connect with him. He's a teenager. He's Hmm. in school. He's trying to balance his own life. And you're thinking about those times where like maybe your parents might think you're up to no good. And your parents are just looking out for what's best for you, but you know, you're not, and you want to have that trust between each other and you know, you're not a bad guy, but like, it's, they really show a lot of the parenting in this movie too. And that's part of where I made that connection now, which is weird. It's weird to me that I'm the one sitting there now watching the parents and thinking like, Oh man, (laughs) I'll be dealing with some of that stuff in the future, you know, except I don't think my kid will be Spider-Man, but you know, (laughs) Hey, I mean, you never, you never know. Uh, kids grow up to be a lot of things. Are there any ginger Spider-Men? I, are there yeah. any Spider-Men with red hair? Yes. I mean, there's a pig Spider-Man. There's a, there's a noir pig <laughs> Spider-Man. I mean, here's my personal thing. When it just there, There's something about storytelling that resonates with people. And it is the job of the directors, the writers to find a way for those stories to resonate with the audience. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it 
doesn't. And, uh, I don't know, when it came to Star Wars for me, it was just like, it was these stories of rising and falling, sons, fathers, mentors, teachers, all these different types of stories of family and friendship. And one of them will resonate with you somehow, some way. It's just how stories only go. It does the same thing with Across the Spider. That's what resonates with me, even though I don't have no kids yet, and I'm uh, not a teenager anymore either. But what resonated with me was the concept of choosing your own fate despite what people want for you. You having enough faith in yourself to know that this is what I want to be and this is who I am, despite what other people are telling you. And I think that's like a universal message. And I think that's what makes us pass down stories more. The more universally applicable they are to be both individuals and both generations. Some stories don't. Some stories are made just for certain people. Slow burns, like Andrew. They're specifically made for certain people. But then you have stories that are just universally loved and understood because they have this message that can speak to you Regardless of if you're white, you're black, you're a man, you're a woman, or anything, you just connect with it. Even if there's not one character you connect with, I don't connect with uh, Young League Slaying, Panikin, Skywalker, I don't connect with uh, Natalie Portman or Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm not like any of those characters. I understand them, I can sympathize with them. And that makes those characters real to me, even if they are very much not. Well, as we've discussed before on the show, we run quite the text chain. Um, there's sometimes where Nick Jeske will send me a text and say, "Man, you guys are really on a on a tear today, right?" I mean, we'll 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 just buzz through some topics, whatever. But I, I believe on one of our most recent ones where we were really getting into the weeds on on these movies we're seeing, these stories we're seeing, especially with the MCU and the 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 DCU, I guess. Um, everything now, they're trying to make it go from a quick 10 minute origin story to all of a sudden the world's going to end. Like everything is going to be, you know, there's going to be something that destroys the earth, right? And, and, I, or, or it's just going to wreck civilization. And I think one of the things that stood out, and, and I know for a lot of stories that, like the original, like the Spider Man's that came out heck with Tobey Maguire and stuff, right? They were about him, his family, his love interest, and a bad guy who just wanted to harm them, right? It wasn't, hey, Spidey, guess what? You get your powers, and guess what? Now I'm going to destroy the world, so you have to figure out a way to solve it. But you're going to have to go into these nine different multiverses to stop me. Um, it was character building. It was, it was uh, world building, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes I think in that formula that you talked about earlier, Cairo. The, the formula now is let's take it all the way to the max as fast as we can. Um, when I think a lot of people are wanting it to be just a good story about that character, about that, you know, the villain doesn't have to be the I'm going to blow up the earth in every movie. Um, it can be I'm going to hurt your love interest or I'm going to, you know, do this thing that's going to affect you in a certain way. I don't know. W would you guys agree that's kind of the line we are going on? Alfie, go ahead. Yeah, I would agree with you there because if you look at like uh, Mando, that was one of the things that I think really made it accessible to more people than just 
you know, Star Wars nerds is that it went very slow and the story was very small. I mean, you really didn't even get introduced to the bad guy until the next to last episode, you know, and yeah. And I would say that Mando is one of those stories that like we're talking here about the quality of the story and being able to resonate with because there's so many different aspects of it. You know, it's feels like the original trilogy. It's new. There's really good characters. There's different characters that different people can connect with. And it has Baby Yoda, so. <laughs> I agree. Oh, Go ahead. On mute. Yep, I was on mute because my daughter's doing some stuff in the kitchen, so I apologize if you hear stuff in the background. Um, I and All that apology made me forget what I was going to say, but no, I think some of the thing is, like, <laughs> what O'Kyra was saying, uh, it was what you guys were talking about. It was the characters. I think some of the things that were what Hollywood is missing out on is not making connections with the audience through the story, but they're trying to place people in characters and create characters to make people see that connection. So they're lo- they're losing the story to try to put people in characters in places that you can uh, you can identify with, as opposed to making a mythological story or getting into the weeds and telling a story that you can identify with. They could go deeper and identify with stronger than just that superficial character, but they're trying to sell that superficial character as somebody that they can identify with. Yes. That, and that's one thing I found interesting was um, at the Academy Awards, I think it was the director for um, everything, everywhere, all at once, which I still, I still have not watched that movie, which is crazy. I don't know why I haven't watched it yet. I'm going but to be one... under your bed tonight. If you don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I, the director was, he said something along the lines of like, you know, it's really hard. It's really, it's a really hard business in Hollywood now because like everything in the world now is moving so fast and something, you know, from three years ago that you really thought, you know, was going to catch on might not be the same three years from now. And it's like, I don't think that storytellers and directors need to think about like, you know, what's everybody talking about on the internet? What's this, what's that like? Because he made, they made a movie that resonated with a lot of people. I mean, they won best film like they he made a great movie. But like there to me, that just says that's definitely a vibe in Hollywood is they're probably trying to keep up with like, you know, stuff on the Internet and everything. And that might not technically always be what's really going on with the general population outside. You just need to tell a good story. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this deep dive into into movie storytelling. <laughs> we really are hitting it. I'm I'm Thanks, Cairo. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, here. There there are two things to relate to the first topic and then the new topic of reliability. Uh there's this writer I like. Uh, has a little he's a little unethical in the workplace, so I'm not going to really uh, idealize him like that. But he does he is a good writer and he had it's not Josh Reader. He had very good advice. Uh, he basically gave these writing advice of what not to strive for. He says, don't strive for relatability, strive for understandability, which means that it doesn't matter if you cannot relate to a character's personal experiences or what they physically look like or something like that or how they speak, how they talk. But you can relate to them by understanding them, even if you don't like them. A character doesn't have to be relatable, understandable, or any of those. They have to be well-developed. They have to be something you can understand no matter who you are. 
This is why we can watch movies like, well, Talking Fucking Lions, and none of us are Talking Lions that I know of. <laughs> this is why we can watch movies like Aladdin or any classic movies that takes place with characters we've never met, never understood, why people love Sarah Connor. Like, I want to, I want to remind you guys, like, think about movies like uh, Terminator with Sarah Connor, Empire Strikes Back with Lando, Aliens with Ripley. These were times where, like, women and black people were not really getting mainstream attention. But yet they ended up beloved characters that have stood the test of time, despite the regressive eras they were in. And that's just what good writing does. It manages, true, it manages to transcend what society is in the moment and last for the future. That's why now characters like Luke Skywalker... You can be a man, you can be a woman, straight, black. Luke Skywalker is my favorite character in all of Star Wars. I'm a black kid from Brooklyn. I got nothing in common with uh, some sandy <laughs> white farmer boy. But yeah, he's my favorite character in all Star Wars. I wouldn't say she's my favorite character, but I feel like I just because of what you said about maybe Miles Morales, I feel that about Ray. I wouldn't I feel like I identify with Ray and I have nothing in common with Ray as well. But like you're, you're not a something... sandy desert woman, you're not? You're... Absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm not a scrapper. I don't know how to put things together. I don't eat bread that get cooks in thirty seconds when you drop water on it. Like but there are things about Ray that I feel like I identify with because I think her story is that same story that you aren't predestined to do something. You can choose your own future. Which is why I get into the whole thing that she shouldn't show Skywalker as a last name, and she should have just made Ray. But that's why I feel like I identify with Ray, which is also why I feel like I, and I will openly say that I'm more into the sequels because I feel like I identify with the characters in the sequels more than I've ever identified with the characters in the prequels. And it See, could be the, the time and place of my life. It could there could be a number of factors of why I was not necessarily as into the, the prequels. I mean, it was right around or like <clears throat> high school to college. I wasn't fully into it. I wasn't, there's a whole thing. There's time and places, everything, but I feel like I attached to Poe and Chewie and Ray of the sequel trilogy more than I ever attached myself to anything in the prequels. Interesting. See, I just, you left out Finn. So, you're gonna sit. You're, 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 you're gonna sit at the kids' table at the cookout. By the way, for that. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I but, love all. To be honest with, you, I do love all of them. No, it's okay. You didn't say Kylie. I'm just busting your balls. I, I know, I, and I get you. Like I would have done the same thing. Like no, but uh, just the second part. Of what I was gonna say is just in relation to the whole sequelitis and everything. George Lucas actually said a really good quote that I'm gonna put in one of my next, probably my last, my man, the video for. Me. He said a quote, and it was uh, it was the pleasure versus happiness speech that he did at an awards event. And what he says is, pleasure is something you can easily attain, but you can never recreate that feeling of pleasure. You can never recreate that feeling of when you buy a new car. You can never create that new feeling of when the first time you fall in love. And you have people who constantly chase this high, they chase the high because they want to know what it feels like again. So they constantly try to recreate it, but you get diminishing returns every time. But when you try to chase happiness, something that is harder to attain, it will last longer because you have to work for it. You have to do certain things that will actually make you happy, which is more than just a moment in experience. It is 
a state of mind. And he basically compared that to what movies are these days, how people are constantly chasing that pleasure. They're constantly chasing the things that will give them that feeling again, but they're not trying to create new experiences, new states of mind. And you kind of see that with Star Wars. I would say, most importantly, Mandalorian Season 3. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of references. There's a lot of Easter eggs. But when you look back on The Mandalorian Season 1, and then you look at The Mandalorian Season 3, while Season 3 has more of the uh, box checking for what people think Star Wars is, your references, your Easter eggs, your this, your that, your everything, which story are you going to remember more? Are you going to remember the experience of The Mandalorian Season 1? watching everything you saw there, or is season three going to be the thing that sticks with you and you think, yeah, no, this is the best storytelling I've had from this show. Yeah, I'm season one probably too as well. <laughs> yeah, season one. Or even just Luke Skywalker's cameo. The first kid, the first big, big, <laughs> oh, big time you saw Luke. Now compare that moment of seeing Luke to just him randomly appearing in the book of Boba Fett. Now don't get me wrong, yes, is it cool to see this computer-generated creature that looks like Mark Hamill? Yes. But is there any emotion behind it? Do you get the same emotion as when you see him tearing through an entire Star Destroyer just <laughs> to rescue some strangers and give Kermit the Frog's little love child a chance at a better life? Which one are you going to remember more? Which one do you think resonates more with people? Luke Skywalker saving Grogu and giving him a better life? Or Luke Skywalker just on some random planet giving him advice and then kicking him out of space camp. Yeah. Which, which, which one? I'm always going to say see that ending to season two because uh, I, I feel that that may be the pinnacle of Disney Star Wars right there. I don't know how you top that moment. That's why I just bought this uh, figure of that, of that uh, moment today. Yeah. And, that puts that statement of the they're seeking pleasure versus seeking happiness is what all Star Wars fans I feel like are searching for. And I'll go all the way back to Empire Strikes Back with the Luke, I am your father. And that I wouldn't say that necessarily I play, there is that like iconic twist that everyone is looking, they're looking for something like that. Um, you did, you would get it in Rogue One too with the Vader scene, right? And everybody yeah. wants to see that again. And if you're not getting that, then you get this letdown that it's not to that same epic level. And I think I think Mando season three suffered from that. I like I Mando season three. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm Mando's flying that. around, blowing shit up. I don't know <laughs> what more you could possibly want. <laughs> I'm saying publicly, like I'm saying personally, I'm fine. Like I'm fine with it, but I'm saying like the public. <laughs> The, the public seminar, I think there was some letdown and there was some of that. They were they're continuing looking for that 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 yeah, next that, shot of dopamine. That next and that's the other point. side of this argument. Whose fault is that? Well, yeah. But see, here, here's as somebody who didn't enjoy the Mandalorian season three. Here's my problem with it. I got no problem thing with likes it. I'm someone who has the most complicated things when it comes to stuff. Hey, Okairo, real quick, you've been moving and moving away from your microphone in and out. And I really oh, want to hear what that. you're saying. So, bingo, like, bingo. <laughs> sorry about you're back. that. It sounds like What's you're getting talk? dinner ready or either that or trying to do something. I don't know. but I pace and talk a lot. So you're, okay. you're, 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 you're walking with me. <laughs> <laughs> my, my thing is this. like My complaint about the Mendes season three is just that 
The Mandalorian was the story of this bounty hunter finding redemption through this little kid and finding a safe place for him to be. Now, if all you come into The Mandalorian is to see the original trilogy somewhat aesthetics in a new way and to see laser, laser fights and all that, you're going to love The Mandalorian no matter what it is. But when it came to like the story of season one and two, getting Grogu to a safe place and then growing, changing as a person, season two is the peak of that. Because you've reached, especially with Luke Skywalker showing up, you've reached the point where you have the new face of Star Wars and the old face of Star Wars meeting. And he finally did it. He found the Jedi. He found the safe place for Grogu to be. The entire premise of the show at that point is over. Din's character arc, his journey is complete. And season three kind of shows that. He doesn't have an arc. He doesn't have a journey. He's helping Bo-Katan with her journey. So at that point, my mindset is, did we need a season three? Even Pedro Pascal says, yeah, I have no problem if uh, Katie Sackoff takes over the show. It's a voiceover gig for me now. That shows that even he thinks, yeah, my, my story's done. There's nothing really left for me to do with the character. If he, he wants to take it over and I don't come back, well, it is what it is. Yeah, he's part of the 2%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I so think I, it was I, important. But my point you had to slip that, that one, in, didn't you? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh God. The two percent, <laughs> baby. I'm part of the. I'm part of the two percent. Yeah. Well. Oh, Cairo, you know that. I should. Quote, you know right? what? I, I'm. I'm married with kids, man. I shouldn't have said that. I'm. I, uh, I'll tell you I, proudly I, I, that I am part I, of the two percent. I'm going to plead the fifth. Do not shy I, away uh, from that. I'll plead the fifth. I'm in my Amir Clark era anyway. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll let you plead the fifth, which means my point that you know that quote. Yes. My point just is, though, if they made, say, uh, The Song of Bo-Katan, they just made a spinoff. They said after mm-hmm. season two, hey, you know, Din's story is done. Pedro Pascal, he's a busy guy. He's moved on to The Last of Us. He's going back to movies. I think it's the most reasonable thing that we just end The Mandalorian, but we have a spinoff with Bo-Katan. You'll still see Din show up. You'll still see Boba and all these other characters show up. Would that have been a difference, though? Would that have changed the Mandalorian season three? No, it wasn't because the main person getting a character arc was Bo Katan. Yep. So this is kind of my thing about endings. If you've reached a point where your story has nowhere left to go, just end it. Bo Katan has a lot of story left for her. She has a lot yeah. of things that she's the most talked about character in season three, besides the two percent, which you know, fair. There's a lot to talk about with her though. There's yeah. Latine, there's the restoration of Mandalore, there's her trauma, there's her PTSD, and then you just have Din, who is probably also in the 2% club. So which, char- which character arc do we have here? <laughs> do, we need, do we need the Mandalorian season four, where Din kind of doesn't do anything and Pedro shows up for one day for voiceover work and doesn't change as a character? Or should, or, <coughs> sorry about that. Or should we have, like, Bo-Katan get her own show so we could just be explicit, like, yeah, this is her story now, instead of people complaining, like, oh, Mando season three wasn't what I wanted it to be. And, well, that's fair. The main character really isn't changing like he changed in season one and two. He ends the story exactly as he began season three. I think sometimes endings are important and we can move on. I like it. I, I really like it. I mean, I, I enjoyed season three. Not, not at the level, like you said, that, that character growth and development was huge in season one and season two. Season three, I, I think you're right. It was, the like you said, the song of Bo-Katan with Din making, you know, uh, some, some you know, cameos and being a part of it, being there to assist her. So uh, I, I like that 
thought a lot, and I wouldn't bother me at all if she if we said, "Hey, she's going to go lead Mandalore back to the way it needs to be, and Din's going to go off and take care of Grogu and get him where he needs to be." I think that's a a great idea. Alfie, you were going to say something. I I think that you know I agree with Cairo here about this. Probably should have been a title differently. I think the whole point of this season was to set up Mandalore to be the army that will eventually fight Thrawn in the Filoni's movie. And it, yes, the season suffered in setting that up, but it did reset at the end to where now we can go back. Mando season four can be about him and Grogu. We can forget about Mandalore for a while. Maybe we'll drop in and say hi every once in a while, but when the big attack comes at some point, the Mandalorians can fight and that'll make sense into why none of this is ever mentioned in the sequel trilogy or has any impact whatsoever on the new Republic or Ray or any of that story. It just, I agree. It does suck that the Mandalorian had show itself had to suffer from building to a bigger story, I think is what's going to happen. And also Favreau apparently did not want those scenes with Mando that were excellent in the book of Boba Fett. So, I mean, I'm going to believe those. I'm going to believe those rumors personally, like, because they were good. You could, you see that as the start of the, the Mando season three. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say though. When did it start? When did it get shut down? When did it pick back up? What did they have to work with? Well, is it a case of that? I don't like, really know. Uh, Pedro was going back to filmmaking, and he was—he was on The Last of Us. Pedro actually has not been on the Mandalorian set since season two. There's been no Pedro. It's a voice actor gig since season two on. Yeah. Wow. That yeah. Then there's the pandemic. Then there's uh, the complicated scheduling, and you gotta remember for them, they probably weren't even sure if they were gonna keep Pedro at that point because Disney does not like sharing. Disney are not swingers. When it comes to Disney, they're like, yeah, that's that's our toy. We really don't want you playing with our toy. Well, he wants to do The Last of Us. So there was probably a lot of complicated contract dealings where they weren't sure if they were going to have Pedro or if there was even going to be a season three. Speaking of I, that I, toy, my, my only thing was to cut you off and I apologize you were going off on a tangent, is the other toy that is a major piece of The Mandalorian is Grogu. So if you do have spinoffs, what is drawing the bulk of your non-hardcore fans, the non-podcast listeners that are watching uh, Disney Plus and watching The Mandalorian is Grogu. And how are you going to do that if you're not, if you are going to have and bring that to an end? And I think there's the fear that if you do end Grogu, then they're without finishing Grogu's story. So, I mean, like The Mandalorian at this point may now become... Season four may be the Grogu story. What are you going to say? The uh, the grief of Grogu or the... Uh... Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think because you came up with the song of uh, Bo-Katan, which was awesome. <laughs> I was trying to come up with some sort of alliteration for Grogu's. The uh... I don't know. I can't think of anything right now, but... The grief of Grogu. I like it. I don't, but I, I, think, I think if I'm Disney and looking at that, Brent, and, and you know, you're right. Uh, the cat, one of the cash cows right now for them, if there are some, is Grogu. And, and I think if the Ray movie was to be made after the sequel trilogy, I think having a mature Grogu show up in that era makes a lot of sense. Uh, because you can How keep is he going to be mature? 
So, like, the story that they were talking about that I've heard was he, it's 15 years after Ray. He's not going to be mature. He, they can make it whatever they want. Where does it say when Yoda's species matures? Years. It's Space Wizards, man. Just go with it. I would actually like the fact that he would never speak. I just gonna go on the record and say I would like the fact that he would never speak. I mean, look at what uh, look at what they've done with Groot for Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, there's really no rules with him. He's been he's been big Groot. He's been baby Groot. He's been swole Groot. He the only stick. the only reason <laughs> the only reason why I say that is because you started off with big Groot and all he says is I am Groot. You started off with Yoda, who had all the wisdom. Everyone is expecting Grogu to be Yoda. Right. I know that it, they're they're different. They're like to me, it's different individuals, different personalities. It's the human nature, right? Nature versus nurture, timing, place, da 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 da. They're going to be different, but the population and the general public is waiting for him to turn into Yoda. Well, if anybody watched Tales of the Jedi, they'd see that Yaddle did not speak like Yoda. So exactly, you got to have different expectations. Who the hell is Grogu's mom and dad? You got two Kermit the Frog looking things in the Jedi Temple, and then this little baby shows up. And uh, he, who was doing the clapping? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Someone is the father of that little green thing, and I think it was Yoda. Everyone says, no, no, he went to exile because he was guilty. He went into exile to avoid child support. He threw that fight. He threw that fight. Uh, and I'm tired of the lies, the misconceptions. Uh, okay. He threw the fight. We might have differences on why he threw the fight, but I support you, and I've said that a hundred times on this podcast. He was winning, and he turned tail and ran. The title he of this show he is never Yoda came close to winning. Support. He was running from the child support. He never came close to winning that court the case. The title should be and that's who was clapping ran. to make Grogu. Oh, and there God. is only two of them in the entire universe. Yeah. I don't care. You know what? It, it was not this way in season one. It wasn't this way in season one. You can get away with it in season one because he wasn't at the temple. But the second you say he was at that temple 50-something years ago, and there's only two of them there, there was clapping. And I know Mace Windu saw it. He had no. hair before he saw that. And that's why he's bald in the prequel trilogy. He saw Yoda and he started clapping. Oh, and he falls because he saw the clapping. Oh, my gosh. We have had some interesting tangents on this. Not, yeah, I'll I'll be, I, I know we're stuck on this uh, reproduction issue here, but Brent, sometimes you and I have to sit down together and watch Revenge of the Sith because you say that every time, and I want to see the moment where you feel that Yoda was winning that fight. To be fair, he came back and forth. He's just like, ah, I, I fell. I Fuck don't, it, I'm done. We watched <laughs> it. D Doc pulled it up. I'm just saying, I felt like he was winning. I felt like I don't know if he necessarily had the upper hand, but he had no. he, he, he lost his saber. Off. Okay, but he also had. He had Palpatine falling from the pod, the ET pod or whatever. And he fell too. I'm just saying, I felt like he could have fought and he turned tail and ran. Okay, that's different than saying I know. I thought he was, I would have fought. After rewatching it, and D Doc showed it when I don't know who was on with us, but it was, I know you pulled it up, D Doc. Yeah, we we did rewatch it. We did, we did almost like a scene by scene. We were pausing and yeah. Like when he was rotating and throwing and all of that stuff. So he might not have been winning, but I do think that he turned tail and ran. I still think he's a uh, coward. Okay. 
That's different. I could agree with you. I'll, I'll, I'll walk back a little bit of my exaggeration, but I do Listen, like. I'm I mean, here I would. Yoda slander. Keep going. I'm here for all the Yoda slander. <laughs> I mean, I but Yoda's my Yoda, Yoda's my boy, and that's why I have a hard time. Like because I I want Yoda, but he ran and like, and he fought Dooku, and he did a good job against Dooku, and he like pulled the saber out with his hand and he threw his cane down and like he did like 45 flips. He didn't win that fight either. Okay, that was cheating. He's like, uh, do you want to kill me or do you want to protect? Uh, so so out of all the screens that you pull up, <laughs> out of out of all the images that you decide, you decide to pull the Yaddle Yoda picture. He was clapping. <laughs> I look at his face, man. I don't know. He's thinking about uh. that stroke. He had a couple oh years God. ago. He's like, I cannot leave Dagobah. I don't uh, care if Obi-Wan's getting set on fire. I don't care if Luke needs my help. I will not leave this place. I will die before I leave Dagobah. I will not pay a credit of child support. <laughs> I don't care if Yaddle's dead. All right. Okay. I feel as though Steve Glosson is on the show tonight. Um, I love it. Uh, so I had two more things. Outside of the Yoda hmm. fraternity suits uh, that I wanted to hit, um, we need Yoda on Mari. That's what we need—a Mari episode with Yoda on there and and Grogu yeah. and you know, there you go. I mean, I, I hey, so if hear me out, if ET is canon in Star Wars, maybe the Gremlins are too. You remember that gremlin that dressed up, you know, in the bar with the the hair and the lipsticks? That could be it. Oh, uh, there you go. And, Wow. That one in Yoda. Okay. All right. Um, there's kind of there's kind of a salacious crumb vibe to Grogu as well. Okay. Um, I think I think we should get off the parents. <laughs> yes, we're we're going way, way out there. Um so <laughs> you guys know I like Salacious not, Crumb ears. Not a gamer, but we all saw Star Wars Outlaws, and I know D Doc and uh, Jake James Lugo spoke about it last week. What do you guys thought about the open world game Star Wars Outlaws? I mean, I love the 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 you know mm. preview of it and the kind of movie reel of it. I thought that was really cool. Um, what what are some of your guys' thoughts on that? Okairo, any thoughts? Alfie, uh, D Doc, Brent. I mean, I would first ask everyone to not talk about wanting to bang the droid. My entire timeline has been that for a while, so we can skip that part. Uh, it looks cool. Open world Star Wars is what I always wanted. I think the only play of mine is I just wish we could get away from the Empire. I Every single time I see a Stormtrooper, I start having a panic attack. I just want to see something different. <laughs> okay. Alfie? Mute? Am I on mute? No, you're not on mute. No, I can hear you. Alfie, do, uh... do you have any idea or thoughts on the outlaw? What? I thought I, I thought you were going to say something on outlaw, um, Star Wars outlaw. Sorry, like everything just went uh, blank here for a second. All I got was swirly screens. Um, okay, I don't know. It looks pretty cool. I'm hoping it finds uh, its way into you know, some of the bounty hunter stuff and the Crimson Dawn and some of those stories. I think that could be interesting. And this is happening between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're right. Yes. Okay. 
I will live vicariously through all of you who do play games, and I'll let you guys give me updates. Oh, man. Come on. Could we get some Shadows of the Empire stuff in here? I would be fine with that. Little Prince Vizor, little Dash Rindar. Maybe a little Dash Rindar. Yeah. The the storytelling in the in the Star Wars games has been great, in my opinion. So like, you know, I I have yet to see a you know pretty recent Star Wars game that doesn't have great storytelling in it. They've really been good. You really connect with the characters. Uh like Cal Kestis, for example. I mean, he's awesome. That's why it's like, I don't know why they're wasting their time when you have this awesome character that people are resonating with. Millions of people buy that game. You know, the gaming industry money wise is just as big as the movie industry almost now, if not like going to surpass it. I might. Those numbers are probably out there already. I don't know them off the top of my head. I've seen how much they make, though, and it's crazy. So, I mean, I'll go one step for you to show to explain it. When I was growing up, when I was your 12 years old at the Super Bowl, I did not see a Star Wars or sorry, I did not see a video game commercial. The last three Star or the last three Super Bowls, I have seen video game commercials that are with they're willing to drop the advertising dollars during for the Super Bowl advertising to drop their game advertising then. That is a complete shift if they're willing to put it in at that point and pay that much price for that, then it's got to be something. Oh, it's yeah. Gotta video, be making. video games have become a cinematic experience. Yep. And it's somewhat – people feel they can control that cinematic experience too, right? Mm-hmm. So it gives you a little bit of agency as you're controlling it, which led to the text screen question that I'm going to throw at you, Okairo, because you didn't hear the text screen question. But, and I mean, why is it acceptable – to have new characters and new storylines filling in gaps in that video game world and not in the cinematic world or in the television world. Why do, why does the, the video game public or the star Wars public accept it more when it's in a video game variety? Because the star Wars fan, I mean, this with full offense actually doesn't have a damn idea. Hey, sir, you got to move closer, man. I know we're back away again. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. The Star Wars community does not have a damn idea what they're talking about, and I mean that with full offense. 80% of it is just recycling talking points from other people. That's really it. And execution. There are some stories that have ruined the experience of gap tie-ins. I think if Kenobi was better, it would have uh, it would have made the conversation, the narrative around these cinematic tie-ins and live-action being more open. But with Kenobi the way it was, and a lot of other stories being more lackluster, it turns people off. But then you have things like Fallen Order, Jedi Survivor, and now Outlaws that are, well, looking to be cooking, looking to know what they're doing. So people are more open to that. It's why if you ever saw Respawn saying, well, we're going to do a game between here and here, most people will be open to it. But if you hear something to say, we're going to do a live action show between here and here, most people will be like, oh, good. Good. I can't wait to see how you change the canon and make me want to hang myself today. <laughs> that that's 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 really just a big difference. The games are doing it better, and so people are more open to the games. The live action, well, isn't really doing the same. And also, here, just from my personal thing of why I'm less excited for Outlaws, I want to get out of the Skywalker saga. I love the Skywalker <laughs> saga. I love the characters. 
you got thousands of years worth of storytelling. Why am I still looking at stormtroopers at this point? Give me something in the Old Republic. Give me something during Knights of the Old Republic. Go past the sequel trilogy. I get it. I get it. This is the more iconic one. This is, has the more iconography, the characters that one resonates with. Right. But imagine if George Lucas just did that. Imagine if George Lucas says, hey, you know what? Uh, we're not going to make the prequel trilogy. We're just going to do uh, stories more in the original trilogy. Or Yeah, yeah. Or if he just didn't even want to go past to Empire or Return. He's like, you know what? I like the feel of what we have with New Hope. Let's just give them more of a New Hope. Let's just give them the same story. Uh, yeah, let's just give them more of that. Uh, Vader right. is dead. We'll just create a new Vader-like character. We'll get a new Tarkin. Uh, more Stormtroopers. You know, Han is going to leave the group because he's selfish again. Leia's going to yell at him. We're going to do the more will-they-won't-they they romance. No, he said, fuck it. Let's just switch up the status quo. And, like, that's kind of my problem a lot with Star Wars these days. It's it's repeating. Even the things that are claimed as even Andor, as much as I like it, it's like, oh, more of Empire. Imagine if this crew mm-hmm. of great writers and directors said, hey, let's make something in the Old Republic. No one's ever seen yeah. Revan in live action. Let's do that. Or let's do the Mandalorian Wars. Or let's <laughs> do the Jedi Civil War. Bang. Star shit, Wars Legacy, do, baby. Bang. Or let's do something outside <laughs> of this just Bang. clear original We're, let's yeah. do something after episode 9 and we don't have any continuity we have to worry about we don't have to worry about the Sith, the Jedi we just go off in our own direction make something completely new, no source material fear yeah. fear of failure what do we Alpha. say about that Brent? what's that? what he's talking about I tell you, what are, new ideas are hard they are hard, and they're hard, and it's a fear of failure, right? It's a fear. Yeah. It's a fear that it won't be accepted. Like if you go too far off the reservation, it's a fear that the public won't follow you. Well, something's got to give for Disney overall. Um, soon, they need to allow someone to just full on take a risk because they're taking L's on like conservative moves. Like the, the their latest Pixar movie is set to be the worst Terrible. debut ever. Yep. So elemental. Yeah, it's set to be one of literally the worst in Pixar history. It's just uh, Inside Out, but with elements. And well, that's yeah, with elements making, as opposed to personality traits. And, they're making and, Inside Out too, Brent. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I put this. I'm gonna say it. I've already done this before in another video I've talked about. I put this L on Bob Iger because since he's been in charge of Disney, that's been what Disney does. Yep. Everything Bob Iger does, it's okay. Repackage, resell and remix he likes to resell what we've already had he likes to resell people's childhood why george lucas didn't work on the sequel trilogy well he didn't want to go too far off the beaten path why jay a lot of jay's ideas were knocked down in both seven and nine well he didn't want to go too far off the beaten path ironically the only film that was able to go a little bit off the beaten path still wasn't allowed to go off the beaten path even ryan has talked about yeah i know i had a lot of people fighting me on episode eight and same thing, uh, Kenobi, why did it have to be the way it is? Well, you don't want to go too far off the beaten path. Well, child sidekicks are in right now. Uh, it just, yeah, it's Iger. And the second Iger leaves, I think, is the way Disney gets more innovative and creative again. The reason why, well, they didn't do really a lot under Chapek. They didn't get to that point. I don't know. But the reason uh, why Palpatine like returned. Months. The reason yeah. why Palpatine returned was because of Iger. Mm-hmm. Because he Chris told him that we need, you, you needed to put Palpatine in here because that'll get people into the theater. Yeah. I mean, Disney is a company, in my opinion, that needs to have creators who are man-childs who want to see things 
that they wanted to see as a kid as adults still. And that's what, but that's what Disney was, was he was someone who wanted to literally create things that people thought were fantasy. And yep. you need to be, honestly, I think, because again, I said that Iger said, he, uh, you know, he saw what the Mario movie did and it's giving him hope and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, but they took an IP that they knew people were, you know, excited about and they stayed true to it. And sure, it was, you know, maybe a little different because Mario's not, you know, it's a me the whole time. He was Chris Pratt's voice and stuff like that. But like, right. I don't know. So, some studios are getting it more than Disney right now. And well, because that's a exactly what disney wanted do you know that disney didn't even save sets he broke them down there's an famous quote from disney saying around here we don't spend our time looking back we just keep moving forward now that doesn't say that he wouldn't take these stories that people loved and would make classic from them no he would take these magical fairy tales these folklores and make classic movies out of them but when yeah. the story's done it's done and then he would move right. on to the next story and the next story and the next story it was actually very George Lucas actually cites Walt Disney as one of his inspirations. It's why he sold it to Disney. He loves Disney. There's nothing wrong with remembering like the things we liked as a child as a child. Yep. But you also can't forget you have to move forward. Well, I think that's one thing that with the help of Grint and some of our followers and listeners and guests that we try to do here, not old stick in the mud guys like me who are original trilogy guys, even though some of my favorite characters are from Clone Wars, Rebels, and things like that. But anyway, um, we try to move forward. We try to keep our minds open. And while we like certain things in Star Wars and don't like certain things in Star Wars, we're always chomping at the next one. We're, we're, I, I think we're all sitting here with bated breath waiting to see what happens in August with the Ahsoka Tano uh, show. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for it. And I'll, I'll, I'll be there on Disney Plus watching it. That's what When I'll does do. the end of the world happen again? <laughs> Uh, wasn't that uh, yesterday? I'm not gonna spoil anything. I got to see some footage, but I'll. Oh, Kyra. Okay, okay. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna close up shop here in a minute. But I want you to do me this. Um, we need you back during the Ahsoka show. Is that cool? We come back and we'll talk about it. You talk about it. I'll come back during the Ahsoka show. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Let's do that. Um. I, we've been going for a long time tonight. We've talked about a little bit of everything from Alfie Sprained Wrist to Yoda and Yaddle to Disney to Marvel to DC. We've covered a little bit of everything. Um, we're going we're gonna to go reverse order here. Brent, give me a closing thought um, as, we, as we tie things up today. Um, who's Grogu's parents? <laughs> <laughs> You're a shit. <laughs> I mean... I didn't bring it up, but it's like it's kind of like the huts. How do the huts recreate? Oh, you you've been wanting to talk about that. Yeah, I know. Mm. I mean, look at those uh, ears. They kind of got a salacious crumb look to them. Oh gosh, here we go. And they kind of no like crumb. they look. He they definitely gotta, doesn't have Yaddle's eyes or or nose though. Or Yoda's man. He's, <laughs> He's got, got Yaddle's sort of... skin color though. Yaddle yeah. looks like she just smoked here the we best go. weed on Coruscant. What? <laughs> what are we doing? I'm trying to close up shop and we're back on this thing here again. Alfie, take us away from Yoda and Yaddle. What What are some of your thoughts as we close up? I don't know, man. I love Star Wars. <laughs> I love talking about it. I really just hope at some point something comes out that really blows me away. I want to be excited for these new movies. I hope some of them 
you know, I'm going to root for him to be in the theater. I'm going to, I'm going to be optimistic. They're, they're going to okay. break my heart again, but you know what? Oh, well, it's just a movie. We'll still talk it's, about it. I'll still, we'll still talk buy a ticket. Okay. I like it. D-Doc, how about you, brother? Um, two, two short points. Number one, if there's ever a straight-to-Disney Plus Star Wars movie, I'll riot because that's absolute <laughs> insanity to me. <laughs> like, I will literally be the most... Yeah, I, yeah. I'll become a troll. Okay. That's what I'll do. Okay. I'll become a troll. I'll start going on Disney and start trolling them. I'll create a burner account and, you know... I'll, okay. You know, my, you'll you'll see uh, you'll see Yaddle Yoda sixty nine sending oh, um you know. My God. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get canceled by somebody tonight. No, we're not. No, we're I can't. You know, I bit <laughs> my tongue on the Hasbro talk tonight. You know, uh, I'm all fired up about Hasbro and that indoor trooper today, and you guys yeah. are going off on this stuff. <laughs> What is, it's Clone Commander Rex, and he's $35, but he's a Rebel Clone Commander Rex. <laughs> Funniest thing, though, when I was checking out with this, it did not scan, and I was in self-checkout, and the girl was like, she looks at me and goes, how much does this cost? And I was like, in my mind right away, I'm just like, I should Clearance. say $10, but yes. I didn't do it. Uh, I said 25 bucks, and she was just like, eh, I'll charge you 20 bucks for it. I was like, oh, okay. Hey, you still got the riz. Uh, yeah. There we go. There yeah, we go. but uh, and then number two is uh, um, Okaira. We did a series called uh, Rule the Galaxy After Dark, where me, Brent, and Alfie were covering House of the Dragon, which I think I know a guy who might be <laughs> working on that show. So we're gonna have you on a Rule the Galaxy After Dark uh, episode uh, whenever uh, House of the Dragon season two comes out and, and chop it up with you. All right. It's coming out in 2024. It's going to be on uh max streaming and it's also going to be on HBO. Nice. Okay. So we got... still exists. I thought it was just Mac now. No, no uh, Mac, Max is the streaming service. HBO is the network. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have a Cairo penciled in for two shows coming up for sure. And the Soka one, and a what is it again? House of the Dragon. House of yep. the Dragon. There we After go. Dark. After Where Dark. We can and, curse. And all rules are off the table, right there. Um, I mean, when, th- this when was an After Dark episode tonight. I, I mean, when you're having <laughs> like when you're having complete incest throughout the entirety to keep your your blood clean. Oh God! Okay. It's After Dark. All right. Okay. All right. Okay, Cairo. <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts on this fabulous show? Uh, number one, Mace Windu v. Palpatine. I'll die on that hill. If anyone wants to change my mind, you have to fight me. And number two, it's been great being back with you guys. Well, we we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. It's been so fun, and we are big supporters. Uh, we will keep promoting you everywhere, and just you, everything you put out on Twitter, we'll we'll retweet, and everything you put out on YouTube, we'll talk about and share with everybody. So we we can't thank you enough. We love your finding some new challenges, doing some new things and, and taking a new path. And, and we're excited for you and uh, can't wait to have you back for those next few shows. So um, thanks for everybody. Thanks for our regular crew. Thanks to Cairo for being a part. This has been a wild one tonight and I can't thank our listeners enough for trying us out because it's a fun ride. So uh, you know what? Follow us on every one of the social medias you can email us. I would love some emails with some things you want us to talk about. Rule the galaxy sw at gmail.com. We'll talk about the subjects you send over. And until next week, from the Rule the Galaxy crew, may the force be with you.